a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. Although Matt and Liz will not be together, we had a crazy week scheduling-wise for the three of us, and so we're not able to get all three together for a show. But I speak with Liz, and I speak with Matt at different points in the show. Now, a note about this. I had a whole list of things to talk about with each of them that was not going to overlap. But, of course, there are overlapping moments of them. I apologize for them. But I do think that Matt and Liz bring very different perspectives to the show and to those overlapping moments. So hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, We will be back in a couple of weeks with an episode about the Ahsoka series and its literary ambitions, as well as its connection to Star Trek. And I'm very excited about that one. But until then, enjoy my chat with Matt and Liz. And until then, remember, the Force will be with you always. All right. For the first half of our podcast this week, I am joined by Liz. Liz, hello. Uh, I, I am very excited to talk to you about this show because I think both of us are not. Like, Matt is so steeped in this, in the Dave Filoni lore, and he's watched Clone Wars and Rebels multiple times, whereas I've only seen them once. I believe you've only seen them once also. That's and, correct. Uh, and uh, so I think we're coming at this from a little bit of a different sort of place in our fandom. But before we sort of dig into it, what did you think of Ahsoka Season 1 as a whole? You know, I enjoyed the season as a whole. I I guess without getting into too much detail, I felt like the finale, I felt like the last episode was a bit disappointing, which I feel like, I, I don't know if soured is the right word, but made me feel less positive about the season overall. Is that because of the way it ended, like where it left the characters? Um, a little bit. I, I, I also felt like I wasn't emotionally invested enough in some of the things that occurred. Um, perhaps. Um, which I, I you know, I, I think maybe we can talk about more too. I feel like the season maybe is just too short with all the things going on. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, I'm okay, I think, with our characters being separated. Um, but I feel like I needed more of, like, an emotional connection in some way to some of the things that had happened. Sure. Um, which, I, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll wind up talking about. But overall, I, I, I did really like the season. And yeah. I, I, I felt like things could have been maybe a little more developed. And, again, I feel like eight episodes is so short. Um, and I, I think for people who... I, I think it can be enjoyable for people who didn't watch Rebels, but I feel like especially maybe towards the end, um, it might be difficult to understand or to realize that all these people were friends. Like when uh, Ezra shows up and Hera's like, hey, Ezra. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's a lot... There's a lot to unpack with this season. I think I was pretty much, I'm going to say I was more or less happy with the season because I think that the season is going to be, it's going to fit into a a tapestry of these TV shows. And by these TV shows, I mean both like the overall Star Wars TV landscape with animation and all that, but also in the live action Disney Plus era of shows. And when we look at all of this together, it will be a really important part of that bigger tapestry, of that bigger mosaic of story. But I do think that there are some 
I don't know if I'll call them fundamental problems with the season. Because I think fundamentals may be too strong of a word. But I do think that there is – this is not the show I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly the Rebels season five that I th- – like, okay, I thought it was going to be more Ahsoka-based. When I realized it was basically just Rebels season five, I thought it was going to be one thing. But it's really not that either. It's sort of this halfway point – between doing a sequel to Rebels and setting up this next batch of storytelling, which will presumably conclude in the um, in the Dave Filoni-directed movie, which who knows when that's actually going to happen because the writer's strike is over, but we're still in the middle of the SAG after strike, and um, you know who knows when that's going to happen. But I do feel like there... The season left us in a place that feels more interesting than emotional. And I think that a lot of the season, I would argue, was more emotional than interesting. Mm. So it's interesting. It, it, it's it's odd how that flipped somewhere along the way. Um, but let, let's talk about the characters and sort of where the characters are left. What did you think? Because, you know, you just recently watched Rebels. You're, you're, a, you're a, a relatively new rebels convert what did you think of ezra in this series in um in ahsoka in ahsoka yeah i i liked him i felt like he was still the same person um we saw what about 10 years ago um he was grown up um i liked that he hadn't become jaded after you know being away from his fellow rebels for that period of time i liked that he found his crab people whatever they were doing together but i i feel like it also felt like i i would have liked to have known in some way what did transpire for him on that planet, maybe him, even Thrawn, a little bit in those 10 years. It kind of felt like Ezra was just sitting around waiting, which I feel like is something he wouldn't necessarily do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I found myself, and I didn't feel that way until the season was over. Okay. Um, Even if it was a little bit, maybe a flashback, I kind of would have liked to have seen that. We didn't get it. You know, that's fine. Um, I I liked his interplay with... um, why can't I think of her freaking name now? Not Hera. Um, Sabine. Sabine, thank you very much. Um, with Sabine, um, in some ways it felt like, you know, they had never been apart. Um, I, I liked that he kept, you know, kind of asking her questions about what had happened. I liked that she was a bit evasive about, you know, how she had arrived. Um I, you know, I, I, I thought the casting of Ezra was great, and I, I think a lot of his personality from the animated Rebels show um, shines through here. Mm-hmm. And I, he felt like the Ezra, you know, I had just watched over the summer. Yeah, I think that Ezra maybe is the best casting of anyone. Yeah, I agree. Part of that is because it's, it's I think he's the least known actor of, mm. of, of all of them. But also, I, I I just feel like I felt like uh, Ahsoka was was way more stoic than we're used to seeing, and that could be character growth. I'm not I'm not saying that that's not a legitimate 
thing that could have happened to the character. Um, but I, it, it does feel a little bit uh, different than the Ahsoka we saw in the show. I think Hera is also more measured than mm-hmm. we saw on the show. And I think that there is some legitimate concern that people have about Sabine, saying that Sabine was sort of far more confident in in Rebels, especially at the end of Rebels. And then we see her here, she's a bit more broken and it felt a little regressive, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there is reason for all of that. But it took a long time to get the reasons for that out. Like, for instance, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ahsoka says in this episode, or rather not, Hu Yang says in this episode, that Ahsoka felt that Sabine was becoming a Jedi for the wrong reasons, and that's why she stopped training her. And I felt like, oh, that makes total sense, but why did we wait till episode eight to tell us that? <laughs> Good question. Like, it doesn't really matter, I guess, for our enjoyment of the show, but it just seems like it's a... Like why wouldn't why wouldn't that information have been made public ahead of time? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, and, it's a great question. Yeah, so you know, like that sort of bugged me, especially because I, I think that it would have been very easy to include a little bit that said like after the fall of Mandalore and the Night of a Thousand Tears, that is when Sabine really dedicated herself to becoming a Jedi. But they even gave us that crawl in the beginning of the first episode. Mm. That could have been a bit of information in that crawl. You know, there, there's lots of ways to get information out to us. And I felt like some of that was not handled particularly well. I also feel like for as much as certain things... Like, I, if you never saw Rebels, you could pick up on certain things from this show. But there are certain things, like, for instance, the last shot we see of Balin when he's standing on top of the like carving of the father from that Clone Wars episode that also we see the artwork that Ezra moves to get into the world between worlds. Like the father, the sister, and the son are like very those are very lore heavy ideas that happened in animation. And we got almost no insight to that here. So if you haven't seen those episodes, you have no idea what Balin's doing at the end of this episode. Like you have no idea where he is. And that feels really important to his character. It does. Yeah. And it, well even to be honest with you, in the last episode, I I I love Balin and I love Shin and I, I forgot about them. When they showed up at the end of the yep. episode, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. What what's going on with them? <laughs> yeah. They it, were completely it, sidelined there and they're, you know, very interesting characters. Yes. I, I, I'm fascinated by this eight-episode structure that these seasons keep taking. Mm-hmm. And I understand why. I mean, just think about, you know, this is not producing 22 episodes of Friends where there's like four sets that everyone uses for the season. Like, these are expensive shows where you have to do a lot of special effects and all that. So I understand you have to limit the episodes to some degree. And I don't think anybody thinks a 22-episode season is like the ideal way to make television. But I think the eight episodes feels really really short especially when i would argue there's a couple of episodes in this season that did not further the plot at all well even in was it the um not the finale was it the penultimate episode where we opened with hera yes uh, yeah and i didn't expect that at all and i i felt like that didn't really give us 
too much new information. Like, I, it was nice to see 3PO, um, to hear about Leia, but, like, I, th- that felt like almost, like, wasted time. Right, and, and I understand that you have to follow up on Hera's story because it seems like Hera's story is going to be important to the next bit of this of the Star Wars universe, right? And so mm-hmm. I get that you have to let folks understand where Hera stands in all of this, but I don't know if that was the place to do it necessarily. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why that scene couldn't have been happening and then Ezra shows up this episode. Like, if you, you could have put those two scenes together almost. Mm, true. You know, an alarm goes off that there's an Imperial shuttle approaching, and they leave that meeting to go check it out, and it's Ezra. Like, there, 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 are, just, there are ways to do this. Um, but that stuff is, is nitpicky for me. I yeah. really did like it. I, I really I, did think this was a good season. I agree. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Balin, because we're in a really unfortunate situation where Ray Stevenson has died since finishing filming this. Ugh. And first of all, like, I, 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 I hate even talking about that in the context of this show because it's entertainment and who cares an actual person lost their life, right? I, I don't want to complain about it because he's gone. But I want to see more of this character because he was so great at playing the character. Mm-hmm. I, yep, I agree. But also they, they somewhat painted themselves into a corner here where that character seems incredibly important. And this whole if so they have not said if there'll be a second season of Ahsoka or if it's moving right into the uh Filoni film or if we're gonna pick up Ahsoka's story in The Mandalorian or in another show. You know, there, there there's this show that has been rumored for a year not rumored, they announced it years ago called Rangers of the New Republic. Like I think that might be Hera's show, right? That might be now a a show that is focused on Hera and Carson Tiva and the other sort of pilots we've seen. Maybe that maybe that's what that show is. Um, I don't really know. Or maybe there's something altogether new. I don't know. But I feel like with Balin and Shin and Ahsoka and Sabine all in this other galaxy, there has to be something that that tells that story. And I don't know how you can tell the story of the other three without telling Balin's story along with that. Yeah, I, I agree. It feels like it, it feels like it's set up for a second season. And again, I, I don't know what the plans are for some reason. I felt like as I was watching the season that Balin wasn't going to make it through the season. I had the same thought. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's because of Ray Stevenson or what it was, um, but he he did. Um, and it, it seems like his story is going to be interesting. I'm very curious. I feel like that is one of the big questions we're left with here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe that's why our other characters were left behind. Maybe there'll be a piece of what he is searching for, what's going to happen. Right. And I, I'm actually, I'm very interested in Shin too as a character. I think she's interesting, yeah. um, and I'm curious as to. I, it felt very abrupt the way Balin and Shin, or the way Balin sort of almost cut ties with Shin. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like they were kind of drifting apart a little bit, but I, that was interesting too. I saw somebody point out that what Balin says to Shin is almost exactly what Obi Wan says to Luke on the Death Star. Huh. Where he says like our paths are like our lives are going different places, but the force will be with you always. Essentially, something like that. Interesting. Um, and so that that was interesting. 
I feel like Shin, you know, the, we see Shin at the end of this episode sort of find those warlords or whoever they were and by lifting up her lightsaber you get the you get the sense that maybe she's uh you know going to try to take over those people um or not 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 take over but just you know assert her dominance assert her dominance over them you know um yeah and so i i could see that being part of her you know her story for this next year mm-hmm. or this next season whatever is just you know her and it seems like she doesn't want to stay on this on this godforsaken <laughs> planet, you know. Um, but it seems like Balin does. Now, there have been a lot of theories online that this is one of the planets that has like a strong connection to the Force in the way that, you know, we have seen other planets in across Star Wars. And so, ba- and seeing the statues of the father and the son with the with the daughters one uh, destroyed, it sure does seem like this is a. Uh, this is a very important planet in the history of the Force. Maybe this is a natural portal into the world without worlds. Maybe there is some other Force power here. But I think to tell Balin's story, you either have to do like a Balin animated series or a Balin series of books or comics or whatever, or you have to recast the role. Yeah, they're, I I feel like they're gonna have to recast him based on it seems like the level of importance they're placing on his character here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that'll go, but yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Anakin of it all because the last time we spoke, we had not seen the Anakin. Uh, the episode where uh, Ahsoka is in the world between worlds and she encounters Anakin. We see scenes. From the Clone Wars, and then in this episode, we see Anakin as a Force ghost for the first time since Return of the Jedi—a real Force ghost, not not in the uh, world between worlds. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, so how do you feel about the way that Anakin was was integrated into this season? I, I liked it. Um, I feel like the further we move away from the prequels the more I like Anakin and I feel like in general, the more everyone else likes Anakin. Yes. Um, justice, I guess for Anakin Skywalker yeah. <laughs> some way. Um, I, I thought it was great. Um, I, I, I will say the episode where, you know, they were in the world between worlds. I, I, I know we, um, talked a bit about what we expected and I did not expect, some live action Clone Wars, but I did enjoy seeing him again, uh, leading and talking to Ahsoka at different ages. I think we had talked about individually. We really thought, I forget her name now, who played young Ahsoka. Was it like Greenblatt's or last? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or maybe, uh, did a great job. Um, but yeah, just seeing Anakin wearing, you know, his Clone Wars, uh, uniform and i feel like it's been talked uh to death about just you know that transition from anakin to vader um i i i liked it and then i didn't expect to see him at the end of the season here i i thought that maybe would be it with anakin so now it makes me wonder um he's watching over ahsoka what's going on here um if his role may um continue right here somehow in terms of the force or just watching over what's happening here 
I mean, I think that that's definitely part of it, right? I, I think that there has to be some sort of... I don't know why you would keep showing him and keep bringing him back if he wasn't going to be a bigger part of this, unless that was the finale. If the idea... Because, you know... True. But if this is... If him... Because I really do think that Ahsoka's journey in the world between worlds, at first I didn't think she had changed much much out of it after that first week. But seeing her now, she seems much more at peace with herself and much more at peace with the, with the way things have happened. And so if that, if that, if showing Anakin at the end there, if that was them saying, like, she has now made her peace with him and therefore he is at peace with her, I understand that. But I think that there is this there is this sense that we have a really rare opportunity here where like we ha- we still have an actor who's relatively young who can keep playing the character he played on screen without too much crazy de-aging although they did de-age him on this show yeah. but like if you're having him as a force ghost you can fudge that a little bit and you can have him still do stuff in Star Wars for quite some time He's a little ghosty. Yeah, it's just the ghost. That's yeah, exactly. the part. Exactly, yeah. Just a little ghosty. I like that. I'm just saying that about myself. That's why I look <laughs> different than I did 10 years ago. Just a little ghostier. Just a little ghostier. Yeah. Um, and I do think that not only justice for Anakin Skywalker, but justice for Hayden Christensen. Well, yeah, that so, is the truth. That guy took a lot of shit for some bad dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, and I I think it's a good point that you made that you know we do see so after this Ahsoka she does change, and I think it's a good point that she is more comfortable with herself, and it does I think make her a better leader and a better teacher and a better conceivably master, and I think that is flattering and speaks to what Anakin was good at yes. at a certain point. Yes. I I definitely think that it's going to be I I definitely think we're going to see a a sort of reevaluation of Ahsoka's training. Like, is Ahsoka did she finish is the thing in the world between worlds did that finish her Jedi training? Good question. I mean, yeah. based on how she is acting now, it it seems like it could have. When we see her leading um, Sabine and Ezra as they're heading to the Chimera. And then, I mean, I feel like Sabine's change at the end of this episode is abrupt. But I, maybe, yeah, based on the evidence we see here at the end of the season, this change in Sabine, um, I, it's possible, sure. Yeah, I, I just don't know. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really interesting to watch where this all goes. I also think that there is a real, a real danger of expecting all of this stuff to to, to pay off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because <I> know. <laughs> there's only so many hours in in this to go around. Um, but it sure seems like this stuff is as important, if not more important, than the stuff that's happening in The Mandalorian. Yeah, this seems like, like you mentioned, this is sort of tying, uh, you know, everything together. 
Um, Universe-wise. Yeah. Um, The Mandalorian is sort of more of its own individualized show. Yeah, I mean, the only one that I think really doesn't fit right now is uh, The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Because that was such a small story. But, I mean, there's obviously ways they can recontextualize that small story, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it really does seem like this is moving the story into whatever the next phase is. And I want to talk about the way that this is impacting the uh, the sequel trilogy. So, you know, one of the things that Dave Filoni gets a lot of credit for, and I think it's deserved credit, but I, I think it's also sometimes overstated, which is the amount that Filoni's shows, quote, fixed the prequels. I think for a lot of us, and I'm saying us because I'm guilty of this too. <laughs> I think a lot of us had knee-jerk reactions to the prequels and didn't give them a fair shake. And part of the aging process of both like of both media aging and people aging is that you can re you can reevaluate things and have less of an emotional reaction to it but take it more in stride. And this will happen for the sequel trilogy eventually, but it, it certainly has happened for the prequels. And so on one hand, I think that there is a really good template out there for, okay, here are the things that didn't work in the sequel trilogy as well as we hoped it would. Let's make the Clone Wars and Rebels connect those dots. And so like you mentioned liking Anakin more now than you ever have before. I'm sure a big part of that is you actually got to see him be a good Jedi. Like, in the Clone Wars, we saw him do good stuff. Yeah, You know, and so that is a big, big part of it. Uh, I also think that what we're seeing here is, like, I remember even after seeing The Force Awakens being like, okay, so wait a minute. There's the Resistance, but that's not the New Republic, but it kind of is. And now you can see, like, well, Leia was frustrated at the bureaucracy in the New Republic. I think this series mm-hmm. has done a great job, along with The Mandalorian, reinforcing that bureaucracy. True. And I think that that is good. I also think that we felt like, well, where did the First Order come from? What remnants of the Empire led to the First Order? Well, I don't know if it's going to be Snoke's remnants, but, you know, we're going to see some sort of... Um, some sort of big battle over the remnants of the Empire. And after that defeat, defeat, maybe we're going to see the rise of the First Order. Mm-hmm. I think we have a better sense of some of the people who might be part of Luke's Jedi Temple now. Mm. You know, I think there, there's lots of things like that that are building up to the sequel trilogy. Do you feel that this has the potential to begin to mend that trilogy's uh, reputation? I I don't know. Um, it it's I would say it's pretty soon. Yes. Um, for the, maybe the, people. The timeline is certainly accelerated here. Yeah. yeah, and I know you just mentioned you know maturing, and I know before we started recording, we talked about being much more mature. In <laughs> yes, <general>. we did. <laughs> um, and I know we you know we generally liked uh, some of the sequel trilogy movies. Yeah, yeah. I like um, I like two of them quite a bit. Yeah, me too. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it will change the minds right now of those who didn't care for those movies. But again, you know, like we said, like maybe over time, um, 
you know, adding um, this additional storytelling, these additional elements. Um, maybe, well, sometimes I think it's, it really is, a lot of it is just time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure telling a few more stories and adding a few more details right now is going to, you know, get people who really hated, um, the second sequel movie and I can't, last Jedi. yeah, last Jedi t- to turn around and like the movie. Um, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah. What's Um, what's so weird about the sequel trilogy is that I don't think there's anybody out there who likes all three of them. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) Like you either real. And I think that for the most part, I don't really know anybody who likes the third one at all. But I feel like there are people who like the third one. uh, I should just use the actual names here. The Rise of Skywalker. People who like that because it undoes... They, they like that it undoes bits of The Last Jedi. There are folks who like The Last Jedi because they felt like it did something new. And there are folks that hate The Last Jedi because it did something new. Like, there's just... There's, there, there's, like, there's many reasons people are mad. Whereas I feel like with the prequels, most of the people who have an opinion about the prequels, it's like, well, they were undercooked. There was bad dialogue. They focused on weird things. There's a weird timeline, but nobody argues. Like, no, the, the 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 script for the for Attack of the Clones is actually a masterpiece. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody really feels that way. It's 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 just so strange how the sequel trilogy split people and and sort of why it split people. Yeah, um, well, for the prequels, did the same person write all three movies? Yes, and that person's name was George, George Lucas. Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and again, I I think that that George Lucas is a great idea person who does the best work when someone else is helping him steer those ideas. And mm-hmm. that person wasn't there for the prequels, but that person was there for the Clone Wars, and that person's Dave Filoni, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I think that there needs, to, and I think that J.J. Abrams really likes to build things but has no idea how to finish stories. Yeah. And so that is why the Rise of Skywalker was so rough. Ooh. And I think a lot of people just resent resented the treatment that they felt Luke got in The Last Jedi whereas I think that those people just don't understand how story arcs work <laughs> like or, or real people right yeah that too uh but just like the idea that you have to bring luke down to build him back up like when my favorite bit of writing in the last jedi and there's so many great i mean i, I could do a weekly podcast how much i love the last jedi <laughs> but there's a part where luke says to ray on act two you expect me to just stand there with a laser sword and take on the whole first order and that's what he fucking does. He like, does he, it. He literally does the thing that he that he throws out there as a ridiculous thing. He also does that. He defeated Vader through nonviolence. He defeats Kylo Ren through nonviolence. He saves the empire. He saves the Republic multiple times by being different than everyone else before him or after him. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how you can't see the beauty in that. I know it hurts to see Luke broken down because we all had dreams of him being this great Jedi. But I think once you see where he rises up to, 
it matters so much more. If he, if Luke was always the conquering hero, his victory wouldn't have felt like it was unexpected. But because Luke is so broken for most of that movie, when he puts him, when he pulls himself together and can win the day, it's so much of a bigger moment. And so I, I do think that there are ways that Filoni's shows can reinforce those ideas. But I also don't think that he wants to comment that directly on any of this. Yeah. I get the impression yeah. it's all going to be very subtle. Yeah, um, just maybe like larger ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last question for you here before I let you go. Okay. Is, is there a is there a better – now let me phrase it differently – which would you prefer? Would you prefer if we're going to get another season of Ahsoka that will lead us closer to the Dave Filoni movie? Or would you rather see other stories told to bring us closer to that? Or a third option, would you rather just see us jump right to that movie? Um. All right. So uh, gut reaction, I would like a second season of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see in detail where all, all of our individual characters are going. I, I think a movie would just be too broad if I'm thinking about it now. Just, there were a lot of characters here. I feel like we didn't get a lot of Thrawn. If you didn't know Thrawn that well, I, I think he's the type of villain that you need to get to know slowly. He's not... Um, you know, immediately bad. He's sort of like a thoughtful villain. Um, so I'd like to get to see a bit more of him. Like Balin, we mentioned, um, Shin, and just the fact that our characters are separated. Um, I mean, right now, I'd say I feel like one more season, I, I think, could be sufficient. I mean, that also depends on where the story goes in that second season. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd like a second season of Ahsoka, then a movie. Because we know that we're getting another season of The Mandalorian. And we know that we're getting this show Skeleton Crew, which is supposed to tie into the movie too, which we have no idea sort of how that how that's going to happen. Um, and so I am I am very curious to see how all of this how the shape of this show, of this sort of corner of the Star Wars universe, how the shape continues to grow and adapt. But we know we're getting at least two more seasons, and so because these have all been eight-episode shows, we're getting approximately 16 more episodes at least. If those episodes are 40-ish minutes, that, 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 that is a lot of time. But I can't see them going back to the the galaxy where Ahsoka is right now in those other shows. That just That's seems unlikely thing, yeah. Right. I know. Um, so I, I I guess I'm fine pausing I guess I'm fine pausing her story until the movie if that is the main story of the movie. Hmm. But I don't hmm. know I don't see how it is though. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just seems to me like if because they're, I mean, conceivably they're trapped there. I mean, I guess yes. they'll get back in some way. But then, like, how would everyone else get there if the story's going to take place there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
that's the other the last question I, I did want to I wanted to run this by somebody and I want to run it by Matt also in the second half of our show, which is that am I the only person who feels like well obviously they'll just ride the purgle back. They didn't kill all the purgle, did they? I don't think they died. They didn't they just jump? They That's they, what I thought. Yeah. Also, that was the worst part of the <laughs> season. I was like, man, at least some animals are being treated well in Star Wars, these purgles. And then <laughs> No. Nope. <laughs> then they are just getting bombed and they're like moaning and Hu Yang is like, man, at least they're uh <laughs> taking the blows for. Yeah. Yeah. I know I I think they just jumped away. Uh maybe they heard Hu Yang and they were like, Well, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but I I think that that's like to me that's the way you they have to get home. But I understand that that's not something they can really plan for, right? Yeah, they're just gonna like sit out there and be like, hope we can jump into someone's mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. That's uh that's the mystery. I mean, maybe they'll solve it very easily. <laughs> right, know. exactly. I'm trying to think now of how Ahsoka even found the Purgle in the first place. Um, in the season, they, they were I just like floating around outside right there was a lot of like standing on top of the ships right yes. and she was like just standing and did her uh force talking slash vulcan mind melt um <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah but i think they were just kind of like hanging out and she uh yeah yeah it's like so i'm gonna tease something for both our listeners and oh. for you liz oh i'm excited i want our next episode and this is one that I could see Matt saying, why don't you and Liz do this one on your own? Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. But I want it to be how Ahsoka is more like Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe than it is like Star Wars. Uh, yeah. I, it, strong fantasy vibes. Yeah. Yes. So I, I do want to have that conversation. I think you're the right person to have it with. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And just based on the, the title of the last uh, episode. Yeah, well, exactly. Yes. Uh, the C.S. Lewis uh, reference was very strong here. It was. Um, <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned, folks, for uh, my chat with Matt in 10 seconds. <laughs> all right. We're back for part two of our conversation. Matt is joining me now. Hello, Matt. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going all right. I- I'm a little bit upset we couldn't get the three of us together, but schedules are what they are. And It's a uh, weird week. It, it is, is a weird week, yeah, <laughs> uh, for a lot of reasons. But so, you know, you, as Liz and I alluded to, you are one of the biggest fans of the uh, of the animated Star Wars universe. You are somebody who believes that Star Wars is better on television than in films. And so... This is a sort of weird confluence of lots of Matt-ish things. <laughs> it um, is. So I am curious. You know, I know that you you had, and we talked about reservations with recasting and things like that um, last time. But I feel like in between the last time we recorded, you and I have been texting, and you've said things like, "That was the episode I was waiting for." This is doing stuff that's more interesting now. So I'm interested now to hear, like, now that we're past the show, you can look at it in the rear view. I want to know how you feel this landed for you and specifically how it landed for somebody who is such a big fan of the animated stuff. I think it was. It, it's hard because I really enjoyed 
this what felt like a prelude to a story rather than a story at times. Uh, but I do feel it really brought a lot of the best pieces of the animated series um, into live action. And as much as I would love to fight and defend it, the live action stuff for a lot of fans does feel more real. Mm-hmm. So bringing these characters into a more general reality of it um, was exciting. And I'm excited to see that further canonized in a movie. Um, and I really respected how deep they dug with um, some of the weirder aspects of the Star Wars universe. Um, yeah, seeing I mean, one of the Night last Sisters. shots, one of the last mm-hmm. shots in the episode is Balin standing on top of a uh, like a, a carved statue of the father from Mortis. Right? Yes. So like, yes, that's some it weird just... shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very very weird. Um, so a shame that he's not going to be able to continue that role. Um, that, you know, sucks. Uh, but I, I really, really enjoyed seeing these characters in new, not adventures, cause it really was a sort of an encapsulated story, but the first couple episodes were set up. Um, and getting us into the new galaxy really felt awesome and it felt exciting. And I think star Wars has not, I don't, I don't want to say not has felt exciting because Mandalorian has been like visually interesting and satisfying. Uh, but this was, this was excitement that I was hoping to get from the, uh, retaking of Mandalore. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned that this in some ways felt like the prelude to a bigger story. Do you think that by the end, the story justified the show? Like, did did the show justify telling the story? Or does it still feel less than a complete story to you? As much as anything can feel complete in in this context, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is going to be – I was watching scenes. For example, them loading up um, the the unknown cargo, um, which are definitely coffins, from the planet onto the ship. Like there's moments like that that on rewatch after all of it's together, you're like, oh, shit. Like, right, right. Thrawn was planning X, Y, Z from the start. Ahsoka understood this from the start. Um, She knew that them being on that planet was okay because they'd get home um, through the world between worlds because her um, owl friend said so. Like, there's a lot there that was cool. Um, And we didn't even talk about the world between worlds. It's been that long, right? It has been, yes. And that was really really awesome as well in um how they portray things so i think we've got a lot of building pieces that when we look back on it are gonna be great right now they're pretty good but it it just feels unsatisfying because there's so much that this needs to attach to 
Sure. Like not seeing what happens with um, either, you know, set of the ghost crew, um, not seeing what happens with Thrawn, not seeing what happens with um, Balin and Shin. Shin, who's now leading um, like a band of rogues or something, a band of rogues who have that ubiquitous helmet, which apparently exists in all galaxies. Uh, <laughs> rogue dudes dressed like that. Um, so it's it's really it's really setting up a lot, and I am interested to see how much it ends up paying off because I'm worried because a lot of things have shifted around from the writer's strike to the normal star Wars plan a movie, cancel it, plan a trilogy, turn it into a two season series, then give it eight episodes. Like it, right. Yeah. It's such a moving target. Um, I hope that it lands it. Yeah. I mean, so I was trying to think about this in relation to if this was an, if this, if what we got here, instead of being eight live action episodes, was 15 animated episodes, and it was just called Rebels Season 5. I'm trying to think about um, sort of how I would feel about that. How I would feel about the, the like, would the contents feel more substantial if it was spread out over 15 episodes? Which wouldn't be that much longer, really. Because mm-hmm. those episodes were, what, 22 minutes? Yeah, and these average about forty minutes, I mm-hmm. guess. So it, it's you know it, it's a, it's a, about the same length, but with, with the structure of a fourteen or fifteen episode season, would that have made it feel different? Um, and I I really don't know because one of the one of the problems with an eight episode arc or season rather mm-hmm. is that it takes two episodes before you feel like you're really back in it. Right, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, we're now okay. I, I, I know the stakes. I know all of this, and then the last two episodes, almost always, are the wrap up of the season. So you really only have four episodes in the middle to do anything, and I wonder if just structuring the show differently would have would have improved the experience. But this is an unknowable question I'm asking, right? Yeah. Um, but the other part of it I wanted to ask was. Like, if this was just Rebel Season 5, would I feel like enough stuff happened this season, or would it feel like a slight season? Are my Mm. expectations higher because it's live action, because it's bigger budget, or does this just, would this feel slight in that that context? Hmm. I don't know if you have any particular thoughts about that. I think... uh the one one piece to keep in mind with the difference between animated and the live action is of the you know the 40 minutes of an ep- an average episode um 20 minutes of that was looking at the pretty scenery and the CGI um i feel like the animated stuff gets a little bit more boiled down sure so i wonder sure. i i feel like if this had been in the animated we would have seen more development character wise um that i i think looking back on it realizing how flat the hera stuff feels um is weird so i i just wonder if that 
I think you're right. They just couldn't fit everything in. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't know how much further you would have gotten in a. No, it, okay. Uh, lots of back and forth me thinking. But <laughs> I would say for a Rebels or Clone Wars um, style season, if I was to follow the normal kind of story beats of those seasons, the end episode would be the mid-season um, breaking point. And then I feel like we would come in and finish that, that part out and get them back home by the end of the season. Interesting. Okay. See, I wonder if there are certain things that would have been harder to do in animation. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, I don't love this decision, but there was a decision that was made that Ahsoka should brood more on this show. She should be a little bit more serious, a little bit more... Um, just slow to react. We This is definitely the most stoic Ahsoka we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could have pulled that off in animation or if that would have just read strangely on that with, with, an, anim with an animated character just like staring at a sunset for a minute. Whereas uh, in live action, I, that stuff can, can play a little bit easier. I... Mm. Again, th this part's coming from the um, the little otaku nerd of me. Uh -huh. Is I think it done right, you can capture a lot more of that, and okay. maybe I, I mean I watched this and took notes and was preparing for a podcast. I didn't realize that's what was going on with Ahsoka. I just thought it was just weird and quiet. I just got a weird vibe from it. I didn't get brooding, <laughs> but now I can see where that would come into play. That makes a lot more sense. Certainly in the first half of the season. I, I think yeah. that once she comes out of the world between worlds, she appears changed mm -hmm. in yeah. some way. Um, and begins to uh, you know, accept Sabine, be a bit more um, understanding as she is now you know, Ahsoka the White. Right, essentially, as our yes. as our uh, screen crush friend yes. nailed on the head. <laughs> oh, that 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 was like the perfect description of uh, of of her. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's very interesting to to sort of play with this as a thought experiment, but that will also we'll have plenty of time for that. The question I have for you is, as somebody who loves rebels and clone wars more than almost anyone i know do you feel that ahsoka lives up to the legacy of the of those shows hmm d does it feel like part of it like part and parcel with it or does it feel like this other weird thing off to the side because by the end of the season i was starting to accept everything a little bit more and think of it more as like a continuum as opposed to this new thing. Yeah. I, I think it, it definitely is a shift a bit. Um, I feel, and again, I, I fully understand that I may not be in the same camp as other people, but I do feel like it lacked a little bit of the emotion and heart of the animated series um, 
it just felt a little more tinny than the animation, but I don't think it was a total, um, you know, reboot of things either. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was expecting a little more from the Sabine reunion with Ezra or Ezra's reunion with Ahsoka, but I mean, there's a lot going on. They were busy people. They had to save hermit crabs. So, yeah. Uh, did did you feel like it was a? Did the characters feel true to the characters that you remember? Um. Uh, I suppose because it's been a decade and it's been uh, you know. I was going to say a war in between, but Rebels happened a lot later in the timeline than I realized. Um, so, but they have grown and they have changed. Um, but, you know, Ezra still being kind of a jokester and doing his own thing um, and dressing up in Stormtrooper armor like that. That was good. And I think. Sabine did feel more like Sabine once they were reunited. Mm-hmm. And I think once Ahsoka lightened up a little, she felt more like her character too. Cause even her as Fulcrum, she was, you know, in charge and capable, but not as detached yes detached is a good word so the big thing liz and i talked about this a big thing for me was in this eighth episode we finally heard that um the reason ahsoka didn't want to train sabine was she was afraid sabine was becoming a jedi for the wrong reasons after the fall of mandalore if that one bit of information Mm -hmm was provided in the first episode, I think everybody would have understood their relationship so much easier. Yeah. A hundred percent. Especially because, because we've I, I also seen... don't know, does Sabine know that? I don't know. And that's the part that I wonder because Sabine just seems like she felt that she failed out of Jedi school and Ahsoka was mad at her. I don't, but again, because we didn't explore that conflict at all. We just knew that they didn't get along, but who Yen thinks they should get along. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that we never really saw those two characters together in the Rebels series makes it even stranger. Because I feel like if I just jumped in here, I would assume that there's a lot of backstory between these two that you're missing. And you're like, oh, okay, they must have a long, you know, strained relationship. Right. They really don't have a relationship. That we've seen, right. That exactly. we've seen. Yeah. That everything happens off screen. And, you know, I'm glad Hu Yen decides to off the cuff explain the season so yeah um, and also that's a weird thing because 
Sabine's story with the Mandalorians is messed up anyway. Um, so I feel like that's a weird story choice uh, because Sabine herself was responsible for the fall of Mandalore. Um, not the destruction, but the initial, like, forcing them to kneel. Um, so, but I guess that's a lot to kind of explain. Like, it's a very nuanced issue. Um, well, it's so much of this show is nuanced. Like, I really don't yeah, know true. how people who didn't watch Rebels and Clone Wars have yeah. any clue what's happening. Oh, you think they don't understand that it's the spirit of a um, goddess who exists throughout space and time in the form of a little birdie that um, <laughs> you give a nod to at the end and then say hey to Hayden Christensen, Darth Vader, which still doesn't make any sense. So did, did it, I did I oh tell my, you? Are they going to are they going to retcon that scene? Just put Hayden Christensen in the scene in Jedi then. They did. Take off the mask. It's Hayden Christensen. Oh, you mean like, oh, uh, b- before the... Uh... Oh, yeah. Okay. Just get, just get rid of him. <laughs> because we see Anakin Skywalker at point of death, and that's not it. Well, did I did I tell you about the short story that I read? Yeah, uh, you talk yes, about this? a little bit, yeah. So for those that don't remember, there was a short story in the new, from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi book, that talks about Anakin becoming a Force ghost. And it, it's, it does a lot of mental gymnastics to basically make it seem like, yes, we know he didn't train for this. Yes, it doesn't really make sense. But the Force wanted this. And what the Force wants, the Force gets, right? Yeah. Um, and so when... Anakin appeared at the end of this. Do we presume that Ahsoka can see him? I I thought so. I thought so too. And it almost seemed like Sabine could see him too. She, she I feel she like sees she something. almost did. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think that's that's possibly from that lineage thing that um Hu Yen was talking about. The How master to apprentice, yeah, right? Connection, the connection, because yeah. The it's clear that the connection between Ezra and Kanan isn't broken, despite Kanan's death, right? Um, that his legacy lives on strong in Ezra still, and I feel like we're seeing Ahsoka trying to come to terms with what the legacy of being. A so um, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan means to her, right? And what that means to Sabine, right? Well, I mean, I you know, I, Ahsoka seems to blame herself for not being there. To ba- she basically thinks if she was there, Anakin wouldn't have turned. That yes. her that her leaving the Jedi Order disillusioned him and sort of broke him down enough to allow the emperor to get his hooks into him mm-hmm. and it seems now like maybe she doesn't believe that anymore after becoming ahsoka the white or at least yes. she's made peace with that mm-hmm. um and not to get super fucking nerdy here but like in in a rise of skywalker 
when Ray is like laying there near death fighting Palpatine's whatever, we hear the voices of all these different Jedi and we hear like Ezra, not Ezra, I'm sorry, we hear Kanan call, call Ray by name. And so we know that there is this way that the Jedi can communicate, even if they're not the Qui-Gon Force Ghost Masters that Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Yoda presumably have all trained to become, right? We know there is some yeah, way. Yeah, and, and they, they, they really do go back and forth on that a lot. Yes. Um, which is annoying. It is. Um, they need to calcify that somehow mm-hmm. and just make it so this is how people, this is how force ghosts happen or yeah. this is how force ghosts don't happen or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but yeah, I there, there's a lot there's a lot about this season that I really liked. There's a lot about the season that I think felt like growing pains because there. I mean, Filoni had a lot of work to do to bring the animated universe to life. Both there was a lot of physical work to be done. Like I, I, I'm, I am sure they tried 25 different ways of making Hera look natural, mm-hmm. right? And so there, 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 there's all of that to be done. There's also just getting the tone right because this is part of the Mandalorian sort of universe, and the Mandalorian tone is very different than the Rebels tone. Mm-hmm. And so this had to sort of please both masters. This had to be... This can't feel totally out of place for people who watch The Mandalorian, but it also can't not feel like Rebels. So there was there's a lot of work to be done here. And I think that now that that groundwork has been laid, when we next see these characters... I presume we will all be more willing to go along with it and we won't need three or four episodes to get to know them. I think we'll be able to slide right into this a lot easier. At least I hope so. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, though, if... So are we assuming there's going to be a season two? I don't think they can jump straight into a movie from here. I don't think they can either. We know there's going to be a fourth season of The Mandalorian. That's mm-hmm. been confirmed. We know that either next month or early next year, we're supposed to get that Skeleton Crew show that I know you keep forgetting about until I mention it when we talk on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, You've yeah. said that in the past. Um, yep, yep. And that both of those are supposed to tie into this movie. I would think... Well, uh, two things. I would think that there needs to be an Ahsoka season two or Ahsoka and Sabine need to be rescued in the Mandalorian or in skeleton crew. Like there Mm. has to be something you can't just, I don't think you can start the movie with two of the main characters in a different galaxy. Yes. Agreed. So they have to get them there somehow. I also know that with the writer's strike and now still the screen actors guild being on strike, I don't know how long I don't know how how delayed these plans are going to be but mm-hmm. I would think that they want to position the film in such a way that they don't feel rushed for it because like the that is the staple of the sequel trilogy and the uh the two a Star Wars stories films and Rogue One and uh, Solo how they really they had to rush all of them and how pretty much everybody involved with all those films said if we had just had another six months they all would have been much better 
Yeah. So I, I would hope they've learned from that and aren't going to rush this stuff out. But I think there has to be another there has to be another season of a couple of shows to get us to that that point. Unless the point is No, I I can't I was gonna say like unless they just want to pick up right when Thrawn got there, but Thrawn's already there. Well and it, I am this is a little tinfoil hatty, but yeah. I'm interested because we now stand at a crossroads where we could essentially, in a lot of ways, ignore the sequel trilogy at and least continue. For now. Yes, and continue. Well, even have the Thrawn Dathomir stuff theoretically could happen aside from the New Order. We could right. have a branching storyline now that we continue forward. Yes. And eventually tie in the movies too, as opposed to the other way around. So I heard a really interesting theory, which I want to get your take on, mm -hmm. which is that Ahsoka and Sabine are never going to come back and that that movie is going to take place in that galaxy and that is where all the rebels characters are going to stay which and they're going to like explore Peridia's force powers or whatever and that's why they're not around for the sequel trilogy um i i don't i don't know if i agree with that i think it'd be interesting um i think it would feel a lot like voyager where it's just a bunch of stuff is happening to the side of our normal storyline. Um, right. But, but I mean, we've seen it now. This is not the first time we've had travel like this. Um, aren't Zeb's people hiding beyond the void as well? Oh, I forget. Oh, that's a question you would ask me. Um, <laughs> it is a question I would ask you, yes. But there, especially with Rebels and the way that Rebels constructs the universe, um, it's easy to get the two of them home, especially if the Mortis gods are present on that world because what we have learned from Rebels is that they are directly tied to the world between worlds. Yes. And apparently you can just slip on a banana peel and fall into it. Um, <laughs> yes. I I still am of the belief that um, that's sort of like a Wolverine style. Instead of Ahsoka dying, she can prove herself in the world between worlds and comes back. But uh -huh. we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about how she got into the world between worlds. That is That is a conversation for a different day, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, um, did you did you and Liz talk about whether you think that's actually Anakin? No, we didn't. I don't think it's Anakin. I don't think so either. Uh, have you seen Contact? Uh, or read Contact, the Carl Sagan book? Uh, no, no. Movie? Oh, you guys talked. We talked about this last. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Okay, we did. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to, like pl put my fingers in my ears for you and Liz. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was. Yeah, it's like Contact. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as uh, we did talk about this. But yeah. So I mean, look. I think the fact that we're we're still we're still going this conversation. We've been talking for you know uh, thirty minutes now about this episode. And we haven't talked about Balin yet, really. 
mm-hmm. I think it shows there's a lot here. Yes. And a lot of good stuff here. I, I think what's what I'm afraid of here is I'm afraid of the Mandalorian effect, which is the first season of the Mandalorian was was really good, self-contained Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Season two of the Mandalorian was good, was really good, but it pushed into a more. Um, it started to bring in like that. That's when we saw Bo-Katan show up, and you know it started to, and Boba Fett. And it started to lose a little bit of what made the Mandalorian itself special, and then season three didn't feel special at all. Yeah, well, I think the problem with the Mandalorian is, I don't, I, I, I am not a professional writer, but it feels like you can't have a bunch of seasons for a show where you just continually finish the storyline. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the problem is, they always like wrap everything up. And then, like, oh, okay. Like, literally, the two of them are sitting, like, outside of a house. You know, Little House in the Prairie style. Right. But we've got more coming. Um, I think this series has set up a lot of things. I worry, like, my same worry with Andor. Will it meet all those promises i think that's more what i'm worried about see i i am less worried about that because of the feloni movie Mm -hmm. and i actually think the feloni movie is really smart because look it's not going to wrap up everything it's wrapping up like the main thrust of these stories i i don't think we're going to see so, like the all these characters not show up in Star Wars TV anymore after that movie, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be a, a a really good like point of demarcation pre film post film in terms of a, a lot of characters and plot points whatever whatever. But because they know they're working towards this, it's allowing them to not rise of Skywalker it, mm-hmm. where they suddenly found themselves painted into a corner. And they don't know how to get themselves out of it, so they have to say somehow Palpatine returned, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, th- this gives them enough time to plan and to make to to begin to move the chess pieces where they have to go, even if we can't see that movement from our side. Yes, and I am still interested to see how this connects to the First Order story. Because right now, it would seem that, well, the Thrawn is really the Empire proper. um, The one that they're looking towards. Yes. And he has allied himself with the Night Sisters. Right. And the First Order is blindly loyal to Palpatine still. We don't know. I don't know if Snoke is even in this yet i don't know where in the um aftermath timeline we are right and and, and don't forget snoke is the clone of palpatine we, we, yes. we now know so yeah so but so the first order it would thrawn would be opposed to the first order so right. i'm interested to see that conflict but i don't know how that conflict happens because palpatine is still in a bunch of um, 
of the test tubes from Aliens 4. Yeah. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nice reference. I appreciate Thank that. You. Thank you. Uh, so last thing before we wrap this up, Balin. For, I mean, it is heartbreaking that Ray Stevenson can't finish this because he is so great. And I, I've said this on the show before. I, I hate even talking about how an actual human being's death affects space operas mm -hmm. because who gives a shit in the grand scheme of life, right? But this is what we're, we're in this position. Do you think they recast him? Do you think they tell Balin's story mm -hmm. in a bunch of novels or an animated series and never show him on screen again? Do you think that they try to CGI him? That feels really gross to me. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see that being. I don't know because again, they've gone back and forth with the recasting stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but it it might be something that gets carried forward in books and um, comics and things like that, and then we see um, Rin. Ray, that right? No, Ray. R no, who's the his oh, his Shin. Shin? Shin. So I combine the two. Yeah. <laughs> um, if Shin takes on that role, perhaps. Okay. See, because I... somebody, it, if we're bringing in the at least the father and the brother, then we. Like that's gonna be part of the story. You don't you don't bring in a giant force wielding dragon, right? If you're not going to utilize it, that's and, a big Chekhov's gun just to leave. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, the other thing I was gonna say is that you know Ahsoka, in a way, it has the essence of the daughter in her, and that's and, what I wonder if that's why the daughter statue isn't there, and if Balin was going to awaken the brother. And I, that would be an interesting conflict. Yeah. See, I, I think he seeks the father, not the brother. Hmm. I don't, yeah, because I don't think he sees himself as as evil. No, I don't think so either. I, I think he sees himself as as a uh, as somebody who is he thinks the Jedi are bullshit and he thinks mm -hmm. he's above them. There's a difference between thinking you're above them and thinking you're better, and thinking that, that you are on the right side. Like, it he does not see the Jedi Sith conflict as his conflict, mm -hmm. and so to me, he is seeking balance in the Force. So therefore, he is seeking the Father. But he yeah, can't and, I, and I can see that. But him being tempted by the brother because he also despises the Jedi for their inaction. Right, right. Well, I mean, I wonder if he needs Ahsoka. Mm. If, if to achieve balance because because the sister statue is is crumbled who is the sister now it's ahsoka does yeah. he need her and if so what kind of bedfellows does that make them i just i don't know mm -hmm. how you do this without ray stevenson yeah yeah it's, it's a know. shame it's a shame we're put in this position yeah um, oh yeah oh ahsoka and um what's her face can definitely get back because more i wasn't on the ship with them Right. Not, not, is that is that the bird's name? Yes. Yeah. So the more I got there, they can get back. Well, not only that, they didn't kill all the Purgle, did they? Just ride the Purgle back. Well, the Purgle die, um, that's their elephant graveyard. Right. I don't think they go the other way. Ever? I mean, I don't know. They I don't know. They could. 
Also, I don't I don't fully understand the the void issue, but apparently that's a thing. I don't know, it might be a science thing. Same thing in Warhammer 40k. Only Tyranids live out there. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that one. Apparently, I'm not... it's hard to hard to get through. So yeah, yeah. Um, and no one has done it before. Well, no one had reason to, I guess, right? I, yeah, I guess. Anyway, I don't know this. The scale of the Star Wars universe just is weird. It is because it it's. Is. It's, you know, for human purposes, infinite worlds with infinite people, mm-hmm. but seven people affect everything. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> infinite worlds, but you need a Skywalker there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian.